Welcome to Abiding in Christ. Acts 17.28 says, In Christ we live and move and have our being. This program is designed to instill in you that all your needs are met when you put Jesus Christ first in your life. Listen now to the Holy Spirit as a Bible teacher and host, Leisha Cantrell, reveals the Word of God. The believer's life is characterized by faith in what they cannot see. Regardless of circumstances, the believer should seek to please the Lord. The believer will receive reward or censure for their actions in this life. 2 Corinthians 4, 15 through 18 tells us, for all these things are taking place for your sake, so that the more grace, divine favor, and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multiplies through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and rebound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless and exhausted and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surprising all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, For the things that are visible are temporal, brief, and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-7 correlates, So then we are always full of good and hopeful and confident courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are abroad from the home with the Lord that is promised us. For we walk by faith, that is, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. With trust and holy fervor, thus we walk not by sight or appearance. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 10 is tightly connected to the preceding section by spelling out the implications of focusing on the unseen reality of eternal glory and the promise of an eternal bodily habitation at Christ's return. The primary conclusions Paul draws from these truths is that inwardly believers can be confident in God's provision for them and outwardly their lives should reflect God's priorities in this world. This section also brings to a conclusion the argument begun in 4, 7 through 12 regarding the connection between suffering and glory and transitions to the next stage of the apostolic defense. Paul's ministry of proclamation. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and I've appointed you, I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he can give it to you. Second Samuel 22, 31-34 As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all those who trust and take refuge in him. 
For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strong fortress. He guides the blameless in his way and sets him free. He makes my feet like hind's feet, firm and able. He sets me secure upon, confident upon the heights. Psalm 5, 11 through 12, but let all those who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever sing and shout for joy because you make a covering over them and defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you and be in high spirits. For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous, him who is upright and in right standing with you, as with a shield. You will surround him with goodwill, pleasure, and favor. Psalm 7-1, O Lord my God, in you I take refuge and put my trust. Save me from all those who pursue and persecute me and deliver me. Psalm 9, 9 through 10, the Lord also will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble. And they who know your name, who have experience and acquaintance with your mercy will lean on and be confidently put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek, inquire of and for you on the authority of God's word and the right of their necessity, Psalm 42, 1. Psalms 10, 6 through 11, but the righteous based on faith imputed by God and bringing right relationship with him says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead, as if we could be saved by our own efforts? But what does it say? The word, God's message in Christ is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word, the message, the basis and object of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes and adheres to and entrusts and relies on Christ and is so justified, declared righteous and acceptable to God, and with the mouth he confesses, he declares openly and speaks out freely his faith and confirms his salvation. The scripture says no man who believes in him who adheres to, relies on, and trusts in him will ever be put to shame or be disappointed. Psalm 37, trust and be confident in the Lord and do good, so shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness and truly you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, roll and repose each care of your load on him. Trust in him also, and he will bring it to pass. And he will make your uprightness and right standing with God. Go forth as the light in your justice and right as the shining sun of the noonday. Be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for him and patiently lean yourself upon him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass and still seems to prosper. First Timothy 1.19, holding fast to face, that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence and having a good, clear conscience. By rejecting and thrusting from them 
their conscience, some individuals have made shipwreck of their faith. Have you ever wondered why God wants us to pray? He is in control and he has plans, so what difference does it make? Yet amazingly through prayer, we come to be part of those plans and to learn his ways and so that he can work with us in our circumstances. He allows us the privilege of being involved in his work and prayer connects us inadequate people to an all-sufficient God. And we need to know that because we are part of the activity. He may want us to wait. Whatever he's going to work out, we know that it's beyond our reasoning. One of the reasons for prayer is that it teaches us dependence on God rather than trying to figure things out for ourselves. That's why Philippians 4, 6 tells us to talk with our Father about everything. James 4, 2 adds that sometimes the reason we don't receive is because we haven't bothered to ask. However, this doesn't mean we will automatically receive whatever we request. God isn't subservient to us. He works all things after his own counsel. But he's not indifferent to our feelings and to uh, where we're at in the situation. So we don't have an extreme of either we don't matter at all or that God just does whatever we want him to do. Things don't, He doesn't always work things out in the same way we would predict that, that he would. And this is confusing and creates anxiety. So it's just a given that we have to learn how to trust in him. And each time that we come to a test or a trial because of our inability to understand him, we learn more, but we learn to trust. That's the whole thing. We're just not going to know what God is going to do, but we do know that that he's going to do that which is best for us. And we pray because God wants us to bear fruit. If we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, our request will align with his will, and we will receive what we ask, John fifteen seven. Then our faith will be strengthened to trust him in even greater ways. And the more we rely on him to provide and protect and guide us, the deeper our relationship with him will grow. He says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and I have appointed you, I've planted you, that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, so that whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am, he will give it to you. So God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure so that we have his best in everything. And this is something that we just have to learn to understand is that God knows better than we do. It's an amazing uh, that through prayer, how God can change everything in our circumstances and our perspective will change with that. But if we think that we're out there alone and we have to figure all this out by ourselves, we begin to become anxious. And as soon as we begin to pray, he begins to give us grace so that we can keep in step with him. So he comes to us as the Father and, the, and Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. And he regenerates our spirit and then our minds 
and our emotions have to be able to follow along. In the new birth, we come into union with God and we, we know him in the spirit. But then when we go to walk that out, uh, sometimes it's very um, disconcerting to realize that this wonderful spiritual fellowship doesn't take care of the way we think. Um, eventually it will. And so we have to renew our minds by the word of God. Like Second uh, Peter tells us that as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And it is according to scripture that we understand God in his ways. If we have a promise from God, then we know um, what we can expect. And in prayer, then he will work in us. The Holy Spirit edits our prayers and works in us, energizes within us, and gives us hidden inner influences so that we can come into union with God's will. And so it's revealed to us in prayer as the Holy Spirit begins to work with us. And when we have scripture, it's just very comforting um, and enlightening to know God's will, and he quickens that scripture to us. So Christianity is often called the great confession because it's when we confess God's word that we have action in our world. Grace and peace to you. Many people like to get a fast response for prayer requests, so I'm giving you my post office box number so that you can send a letter and make a prayer request or send a donation that way. Write to Abiding in Christ Ministries, Leisha Cantrell, P.O. Box 460512, Denver, Colorado, 80246. You may also listen to the programs again and download them, as well as find contact information on 670kltt.com on the weekday program guide. Click on Abiding in Christ Ministries, Leisha Cantrell, and you'll be right there at my website. Thank you for joining me weekly here at Abiding in Christ Ministries for Kingdom, Covenant, and Mediator.